0: No! Finally awake, I see.
1: Ulysses? What? Where am I? Where's Lady?
0: I sent her home. She hadn't left your side in a couple days, so I relieved her of her duties.
1: How long have I been out?
0: This is your third day in
1: hospital. My thoughts were foggy at best, but it all came rushing back. The killer john no no jonah and the son of a bitch got away damn it he got away
0: relax frank joe and dusty are out searching for him i've never seen dusty so angry
1: how do you know who they're looking for if i've been in the hospital unconscious
0: you'll have to ask joe about the specifics but the diary you gave lady matched evidence from the other murder sites the madman's identity is jonah carver They say he killed his landlord and went on a murder
1: spree. I was glad they knew who he was and were in pursuit. I only wish I hadn't played into his hand. I started to sit up, but the effort met some resistance. A throbbing pulsed in my lower back. Take it easy, Frank. You will still be needing some rest. He leaned in close and spoke in a hushed tone.
0: You should not be alive, Frank. Jonah punctured multiple organs, and it appears you miraculously avoided sepsis. The doctors gave you twelve hours to live, but luckily, I got to you in time.
1: There was mystery in his voice, and he wasn't telling me everything. What are you saying, Ulysses?
0: Frank, if you haven't noticed, the city can be a little odd sometimes. Occasionally, things happen that aren't easily explained to someone like you.
1: Someone like me? What does that mean?
0: What I'm trying to tell you is there's more to this than meets the eye. I don't think Jonah's working alone, and I'll leave you with that. Oh, and the jar by your bed? Apply that to your back for one more day and you should be right as rain.
1: Ulysses made his way out the door. I called for him to stop, but he didn't. I never had a conversation with him so cryptic, yet he never felt so honest. Either way, I was thrown. Was I really on the verge of death? Did Ulysses save me? My head was humming. And now would be a great time for one of those few and far between cigarettes. I looked over at the jar of strange pulpy salve. I couldn't tell what a single ingredient was. Just looked like a stringy mush. But there was another object on the table that demanded my attention. It was a file. The only word written on this manila exterior was neatly wrote, Jonah. I grabbed the folder and opened it. There was a handful of diary entries, like the one I found at Mark's place. Joe must have left this here for me. Maybe some reward for my due diligence. I could tell that the entries weren't sequential, but I started reading at the top of the stack anyways. The first one was the one I found at Mark's. The next page read, I can honestly say that I feel the best right now over any other time in my life. It is hard to describe, I have a purpose. I am here for a reason. The past no longer matters. That sweet song has pulled me up and has sent me on a path to save all the people that are lost. I won't let them be destroyed by themselves or this cruel, cold world. I know what it is to be broken and mangled. Our outer shell is just that, a shell. And by shedding that and becoming the essence of yourself, you will become free, undying even. I can help them rip their lives from these tattered shells and truly live. I have found a purpose. I can save everyone." This guy was a raving lunatic. I flipped to the next page. It was the one that Dusty heard over the radio, so I moved on to another. That one read, Today may possibly be the strangest day to ever have happened. Sometime early afternoon yesterday, I sat there with a gun pointed at my face. I decided I could not go through with it at the moment, so I dropped it. It went off after hitting the floor and took off a piece of my ear. I didn't even notice at first until I felt the blood drip warm on my neck. No one came to check on the sound, of course that didn't really surprise me. I just stared at it in the mirror. It is so interesting that this fluid is what keeps us going. My body is nothing without it really. I cleaned myself up and decided that I would drink first. I walked a few blocks and noticed a poster lying on the ground for a lounge singer. I went inside and at that point my day changed. I dare say my life may have changed. She is the most beautiful creature I have ever seen. That angel and her music have saved me. She doesn't even know me and she has saved me. Yet another disgusting article by the psycho. But who is the woman who saved him? What turned things around for him? And then I thought, what if he's talking about Cordelia? He came out of her back room. I knew something wasn't quite right with her. But why would he kill for her? What could she possibly gain from working with someone so. insane? It's not like she needed muscle. She was surrounded by a fortress of it. He must have been doing something special. And no doubt, whatever his or her endgame is, it was sinister. Lady came in shortly after reading the entries. I saw from the look on her face, she read them too. She didn't say much, but she did apply the jar of mysterious mash to my back wound, which felt sore instead of the extreme pain I was expecting. I wanted to talk to her, but I also needed my rest, and my body was going to get it, with or without my permission. Lady put her hand on my face. I smiled dumbly and just said, thanks. I wouldn't even know if she responded. I was out like a light. The next day I checked myself out. Actually felt great. There's nothing but a small series of pinpoint scars on my back. It felt good to be in my bed again. No beeping of machines or sickly roommates dry heaving or crying out in pain. Just the symphony of an ever shifting city I've grown accustomed to. I wasn't always a city slicker. My folks had a small farmhouse outside of town. Most of my days involved the illusion of being a farmhand for my father. When in all reality, I was an eight-year-old boy swinging sticks at chickens. Pretending they were some invading beast coming to claim our homestead with myself as the only defense. It didn't get rough till a few years later. Crops died out, soil became barren, so dear old dad's goodness followed suit. I'll never understand people. He took a blow to his manhood and his identity as a provider for his family. So what does he do about it? Well, he pushes the family away, of course. You don't have time to appreciate the irony when you're getting slapped around and expected to watch as the woman who raised you is berated. I'm glad he left. I always wondered if he snapped out of it and realized what he had done and couldn't forgive himself. Or maybe thought he'd start over somewhere far away. But I didn't care if he was on the moon or under the sea, as long as I wasn't getting my ass blistered. Ma hung around for another ten years. She was a saint, but as if to prove no good deed goes unpunished, I lost her to illness. (sighs) Breaking myself out of the trance of traipsing down memory lane, I headed to the refrigerator to cook something up. I noticed that the bedding my couch was converted into was well-kept, and the house had been maintained with sweeping and dusting. Even the windows. That's Sam. What a good kid. I considered just letting him stay indefinitely. I was never home anyways. At least someone can put this place to some use. I took the time to make an actual meal. I made a meatloaf with mashed potatoes and gravy exactly the way Mom made it. I left quite a bit for Sam. A couple weeks went by. My body healed, but my anger and regret festered. Lady kept me company most nights, and I was glad for the respite. I couldn't just hide in my hole. Always looking over my shoulder for Jonah. Even talking with Lady about marriage and her white picket dream couldn't put me entirely at ease. As our love grew, so did my restlessness with my own soft case. I spent my days in paradise, but my nights in hell. The phantom pain of cold claws shredding my back made a full sleep scarce. I woke up one day and decided I'd call Joe. Left a message to meet me at Pan's Hollow. I needed to make myself useful. Even Lady had been doing some digging despite my begging and warning to the contrary. She was a firecracker, that one. I called Lady's house to let her know I'd be out for the first time in quite a while, but she didn't pick up. Just call back later, I thought. Then I slung on my coat and headed towards my favorite dive. I kind of had a bone to pick with Ulysses for not being straight up with me. But I suppose he also deserves some thanks. No doubt I would not have recovered that fast, or at all, without his strange substance. Even after almost a month, the whole altercation felt surreal. Almost like it never happened. Or it happened to someone else and I heard the story. Like it was a part of some noir crime drama. I always thought those things were kinda cheesy. Here's Ulysses. I called out to the bartender, wiping down tables. They said he hadn't been in yet today. I sat down at the bar and nursed the whiskey. The doctor said I needed to drink more water, so ordered my whiskey on the rocks. After some time, Ulysses came through the door. He gave me a nod to let me know he'd make his way to me. He hung his long trench coat by the collar on a hook starting to parse itself from the wall.
0: Hope you haven't been waiting here too long. I figured you'd be around sooner or later.
1: I'm sure you've questions. Come on back to my office. I walked into his office hoping he could shed some light on my confusion. I plopped down on an uninviting chair. The bar stool was more comfortable. Maybe that was intentional. Maybe he never wanted anyone to hang around too long. ...or get too close.
0: About the poultice I used to tend the wound. Kind of a family recipe, passed down for a couple thousand years, give or take.
1: I sat and listened intently. This wasn't hyperbole. He was either telling the truth, or he believed he was.
0: The reason I walked out on you that day was to do some investigating of my own. Once you told me some clues, it reminded me of darker times in my past. What's happening in the city and the Jonah, well, it's not normal.
1: Crime raids have risen recently, but I never connected those dots. Didn't seem relevant. And there I go being wrong again. (sighs)
0: Frank, you have to understand I wasn't intentionally lying to you, nor did I want to impede your case. And how foolish would I have looked telling you weeks ago that there was a siren loose in your city.
1: A siren? Like… an evil mermaid? Wait, what are we talking about here? Are you fucking with me?
0: Not all residents in this city are human. I am reluctant to be the bearer of bad news, but there are monsters other than man and beast. There are things
1: in between. I was glad I brought my whiskey with me. A mouthful coated my throat in fire, but even that didn't keep my mind from reeling. I always trusted in and believed Ulysses, but this was just crazy talk. I thought I may need to take him to the loony bin. He filled my glass back up with some top shelf he was hiding behind a stack of books.
0: Listen, Frank, there's no need to get bent out of shape. Most supernatural beings just want to live their typical lives. Minding their own business and following the rules. Others, though, like humans, lean towards a darker path. To avoid inundating you with it all, let's just talk about this Cordelia and her siren identity. Sirens are all a little different. Each siren song has a different effect. Because of the danger they pose to everyone, they've been hunted to extinction. Or so I thought. Sirens are not typically aggressive, though the older ones are pretty nasty. And as luck would have it, Cordelia is an ancient. I've heard of her and seen what is left in her wake first hand. That's why I ran out on you.
1: So what does that have to do with Jonah, and the crime rate in the city?
0: Well, sirens have a song. It's not always actual singing, but that is the case here. There's rules to who it affects, though, and I don't know the particulars. It seems to be effective on the lower class in town.
1: Say I believe you. I believe all this hocus-pocus bullshit. Where does that leave us? What are you, Ulysses? Some kind of demon bartender? Do you eat babies after pouring my shots? Human sacrifices after last call?
0: Frank, nothing's changed between us. I'm still your friend.
1: To be honest, I was a little hurt. If I was to trust Ulysses' version of the world, then he's been lying about everything since we met. Our friendship was built on a lie. Sure, he was telling me now, but I almost died. I'm pretty sure I was dead for a bit. I'm sorry
0: for any deception, but you don't just tell a human about monsters and beastmen. And of course, I don't consume infants, you dullard. I still eat cheeseburgers and french fries. I live out my days as you would, except I do so in a more sober fashion.
1: I knew we didn't eat babies or commit crimes against humanity. I was just lashing out because my perception of the world melted away. So what are you?
0: I'm a person, asshole. But more specifically, a satyr.
1: A what? Ulysses pulled up his pant leg to show an extremely hairy limb exposing flesh tapering into a cloven foot. And there it was. I couldn't just retreat to my exclusively human world anymore. My reality was altered permanently. Seeing really is believing. I looked down at my whiskey as if begging for one more excuse that this couldn't be real. Sorry, Frank. Your spirit isn't spiked. That is a leg of a goat up to my waist. He half smiled. As if to say sorry to shatter your world, but hey, now I can talk to someone about it. Now I'm not so alone. I ask Ulysses what we could do about this threat. So what do we do about the Siren and Jonah?
0: Well, Frank, as far as Jonah is concerned, he's just a human. Taking him dead or alive like any other criminal is your course of action. With Cordelia, however, more research is needed. Believe that to me. You go get a madman before he drains the whole city of their blood. I don't know what he's using it for, but if it is some kind of magic activated by blood, we are in for hell. Maybe in its literal form.
1: Hey Frank, sorry to interrupt your little tea party, but I've got some bad news. Lady's purse was found outside of her apartment, and when I went to knock on her door,
0: her neighbor said they haven't seen her since she left two days ago. Have you seen her lately?
1: My gut lurched. I raced in my car not knowing where I was even going to go. I was going to turn over every fucking stone in this city. Well, thanks for stopping by, stranger. Hope you enjoyed yourself. If you're looking for more Neon Shadows, you can visit the Neon Shadows Speakeasy on Facebook or Neon Shadows Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Or look us up as Neon Shadows on YouTube, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time, stranger. And remember, keep to the Neon Shadows. Neon Shadows is written by Ian Knowles and voiced by Dan Faulkner, Amber Tubman, Sean Goodrich, Marcellus Clay, Tyler Brown, Logan Lankowski, and Ian Knowles. Copyright 2020. Reuse or reproduction of our content is strictly prohibited.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,